Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of from the tips it is me your boy brian always joined by my fantastic co-host rick landis how we doing good buddy i'm doing swell how about yourself dude i'm uh, i'm doing all right i uh last week we we had a week off because i was traveling for work i was out west in arizona uh my body i think has yet to recover i am very tired um Fair. But you know what I forget about Arizona sometimes, and I, I realized this while I was trying to book my Uber to the hotel the morning that I was coming home. Mm-hmm. They're on their own time zone because Arizona is the only state in the United States that doesn't participate in daylight savings time. Yeah, it's so strange. It's so weird. That they I can thought just we were make that yeah. decision. Yeah, I didn't know that's just something you could choose to do. I, I it's. I thought we were in Pacific Coast time the entire time we were there, and it uh, turns out we were in Mountain time, which yeah, it's, it's strange. Which I guess for some day, uh, some months out of the year is Pacific time, and for some months out of the year is Central, uh, because they just don't change. Uh, which yeah. is, which was wild because when I was trying to you know set up a time for the car to come get me, they mm-hmm. kept saying Mountain time, and I was like, no, I need Pacific time. I'm not in mountain time. And so then I had to Google, why is it trying to force me into order mountain time for Google to be like, hey, dumbass, they don't do daylight savings. I, like, I've always wondered, A, what the reason for daylight savings was for in the first place, and B, how can Arizona choose to just not participate? Daylight savings is for farmers, which I think is part of the reason why Arizona chooses not to participate because there's not a lot of farmers in Arizona. Not a whole lot of farm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was basically created so that farmers could get a full day's work. If, I'm pretty sure, like 95% sure that's why. Um, according to the New York Times, the idea is to move an hour of sunlight from the early morning to the evening so that people can make more use of daylight. Benjamin Franklin is often credited as the first to suggest in the 18th century after he realized he was wasting his Parisian mornings by staying in bed. Of course, leave it to leave it to somebody from Philadelphia to come up with this. Listen, just because you were being lazy doesn't mean you got to screw the rest of us for all eternity and make us do daylight savings. But is that not an incredibly Philadelphia thing? It's pretty Philadelphia. Like, I want to be lazy, so I'm going to make it everybody else's problem. I.e., The Philadelphia 76ers in Game 7. What a performance. I mean, just, just getting a, absolutely applause. smacked around. I mean, outscored by 23 points in the third quarter. I don't you're even gonna, you're gonna basketball. Let, you're going to let Tatum drop 51 in Game 7. I don't know how Doc Rivers still has a job, to be completely honest with you. I don't even have a job. Let's, let's be frank here. The, the process- how is James Harden still playing? Because that was just a horrendous performance. <laughs> I like I don't even watch basketball, but as I'm witnessing the performance that the, the Sixers were putting on in Boston, I was left wondering, was 
the process even remotely worth it. Like I was before the process, I would watch basketball recreationally, even on my mm-hmm. own time, because I found it, I guess, a little bit interesting. The Andre Iguodala years were fun to watch. But when the process began, that's when just I was all out because I saw what the NBA was doing, what they were trying to make super teams against utter failures. And there was just this such a large competitive gap between the top and the bottom teams. I was like, eh, basketball's stupid. The NBA's dumb. I'm out on this. And and I'm still out on it. Let's not get it twisted. Just because the Sixers are good does not mean I enjoy basketball anymore. Uh, but now that the, that they've done this to a fan base where the, the, the process didn't even work, there's no championship here. What does that really prove to other teams in other leagues, in other parts of the world, that failing on purpose can get you a championship? Well, first of all, let's not give credit where it's not due. They're regular season good. They're not postseason good. That is a very good Uh, point. Yeah, because they haven't even sniffed a championship since the whole process thing uh, started happening. Uh, But pretty much, if you ask me, it's pretty much just proof that you can't just tank. And you saw it. Like, I bring it back to football a lot because that's kind of the sport that I pay the most attention to. You saw it this year with the Texans in the draft. Everybody was saying that they should just go defense at number two, and then they would stink for one more year, and then they'd get either Caleb Williams or Drake May in the draft next year because they would still have a high pick. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to do that because you see, like, the Bears, for example, they drafted Justin Fields, and they were like, they still sucked. So it's like, where 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 do we get the idea that these things are gonna work? You, it's not, it's not one solution fixes all. You got to work on a lot of different little things. And the Texans were like, you know what? Screw you guys. We're gonna get the second and third pick, and we're gonna pick a quarterback, and we're gonna go defense just like you wanted us to. And no one's gonna be able to complain. And they're probably still gonna suck this year because they have nobody surrounding their quarterback. Yeah. Um, no one to protect. So them. yeah, but it goes down to the same thing, like. They're not necessarily preaching a process, but they were like, hey, look, we got the two best players in this draft right now. Just like the Sixers were like, hey, guess what? We have the MVP this year. What, what? But, but guess what? No one around him can consistently play well, and he also doesn't play well when it matters. So. Yes. <laughs> so, like, it, it just goes – like, there's, there's so many nuances and intricacies in winning championships, and it honestly mostly comes down to depth which no Philadelphia team has besides the Eagles <laughs> zero. And I think when it, when you really like think of tanking as a strategy in any of the four major American sports, I would say the only one where I would consider it consistently working is baseball. And that's because if you're bad enough for enough years, you get just enough good baseball players. That's just going to yeah. happen. And then they come up. But the thing about baseball in that sense is, you have an incredibly small window because the teams that usually tank for years to get good prospects can't pay the prospects when they become good. So you have an yeah. incredibly tiny window once they all come up, hopefully at the same time, to actually do any sort of winning, i.e. the 2014 to 2016 uh, Kansas City Royals in Major League Baseball. They won the 2015 World Series, fire sell immediately after because they couldn't afford to keep any of them. Uh-huh. So they're like, sick, we got a championship. 
I, I guess catch you guys on the flip side. You did you did a hell of a job. We can't pay you. Uh, <laughs> even if you wanted my to favorite, stay, we can't afford you. Um, my favorite thing uh, that I saw this week was that uh, comparison picture of the Yankees injured list pay rate. Yeah. And yeah. like some teams like full team pay rate. And it was like the Yankees were like 111 million or something like that just on their injured list. And then, like, the athletics was, like, 20 million or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we know the plight of the Oakland athletics, unfortunately, for that fan base. Just feel terrible for them. But, you know, I think my last bit on the subject is if you look at um, many, like, all of the dynasty teams, right, from any sport. You know, you can you can look at a football dynasty in, like, the Kansas City Chiefs or the, or the New England Patriots. You can look at hockey dynasties like the Chicago Blackhawks or the Detroit Red Wings. You can, you can look at basketball dynasties like the, uh, like the Golden State Warriors, for example. You look at these dynasty teams that win championships every year, every other year for like a five- to six-year stretch. The, the reason they were that good is never because they decided to fail on purpose for two to three years. It was mm-hmm. just going through the rough years of maybe being mediocre to below mediocre and immediately trying to fix the problem by drafting well in the place that you find yourself. You don't you don't always guarantee yourself a generational talent in the first and second picks of a draft. What you yeah. can do, though, is dig around a little bit, do your research, and find good talent at the draft pick that you have. You know? So I, I, I totally understand that no upper management staff of any major sports team is listening to this podcast right now, but I would take that advice, whoever you may be, and run with it. Now... True. We can also to kind of switch this into the performance we saw out of the Byron Nelson champion, who also has kind of been um, failing, I would say, i.e. Uh, for uh, obvious reasons, but we'll get into that and getting a win of the Byron Nelson. But first, Rick, buddy, today in sports history, what do we got? I mean, we're talking about basketball, so we might as well just keep it with the greatest of all time. Hammer it down. Um, and... Greatest of all time. When I say that for basketball, who who comes to mind? Um, personally for me, it's LeBron. Okay. Um, Look, so... I'm a LeBron. I'm a LeBron <laughs> I I got to watch LeBron, and it's incredible. Okay, I think it's incredible, but I think MJ fucking sweeps the floor with him if they play (laughs) one on one. So in 1985, (laughs) Michael Jordan was named NBA Rookie of the Year. Uh, Just just a little. A little Ricky of the Year stuff for you there. Listen to that, um, some of that. What was that, 85, you said? Yeah, 85. What a career. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, um, look, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a solid argument. I hear you. I, I mean, it's, it's going to be an age-old debate at this point. But... Oh, forever. For eternity, yeah. yeah. And, you know, some people are going to slide Kobe in there, which I totally respect. Um, True. But I think the rings speak for themselves. And the, uh, the way it happened for MJ... Yeah, there's there's a good argument there, but there's something to be said about LeBron's journey into doing it in Miami, in Cleveland. Yeah, you want a championship in just, Cleveland, man. Big fan of just jumping around when your team starts to suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, he, he knew the teams had to fail consistently to be good ever again, and he didn't want to be a part. We just talked about this. It's tanking 101. Um, tanking 101 is when you're a good player and you see the writing on the wall, get the fuck out as fast as possible, which I wouldn't be surprised if Joel Embiid starts looking at 
in the next coming years for you Sixers fans who think yeah. he's going to stay forever. Yeah, he's going to be a Miami Heat in about two or three years. He's, exactly. mark he's, that following, Butler. he's following Jimmy Butler. Him uh, Butler, I would say yes. Speaking of goats, we have the boxing goat. Muhammad Ali. There we go. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, 1975 today, he TKOs Ron Lyle in 11 for the heavyweight boxing title. I feel like I feel like boxing is such a uh, lost sport. Well, specifically because of UFC now, people enjoy watching that more. Yeah, more action. But like, I feel like boxing was such a more important sport back in like the seventies and sixties. Back before they knew how head injuries worked. <laughs> before, before concussions were real, right? Let's not. Let's, when let's they not were pretend, totally yeah. okay with you just getting punched in the face repeatedly. For eleven <laughs> rounds against Floyd, against Floyd Mayweather, not Floyd Mayweather, okay, Muhammad Ali, and then wondering why they all went insane when they got older. Like, yeah. wow, I don't know what happened to him. It's crazy. I have no yeah, idea why Floyd Mayweather has a lisp. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he has a lisp, or, or why somebody bit off somebody else's ear. I don't know what decisions would cause this. So that's is brain injury, uh, folks. Brain injury. Um, alrighty, is that is that all we have from history? Yeah, I mean, that's the big stuff. There's Kentucky Derby stuff, but that's just horses. That's just... I hear you, though. <laughs> For people who are actually into um, horse racing, please reach out to us and, and give us just a full... I need a full explanation as to why. What about it does it for you? There's, there's two people gambling. that... There's, there's two people that watch horse racing and both of them are into gambling. It's the lower class trying to make money and it's the upper class also trying to make money. You have to think those are the only people that watch it, right? Like, I've never met a middle class person that enjoys watching horse racing. Like, I just, I want, I want to go into the mind of a, of a horse racing gambler, and like, where do you get your research from? Are you looking up like how healthy these horses are and like their their meal diets, etc.? Like, how do you know information about the horse you're betting on, other than the fact that that's their name? How do we know where Tiger's at at all times? We have Tiger Tracker. That's a very good point. That's a that's a fair. fair technology is scary. It, it yeah. has to be said. Technology is a scary place. But mm-hmm. I digress. We are a golf podcast, and after wasting approximately fifteen minutes of your time, we are going to talk about golf. As the Byron Nelson, uh, the AT and T Byron Nelson, was held this last week, and a winner who we have not seen in the winner's circle in quite some time winds up getting the victory by one shot uh, in the rain on Mother's Day after his mother unfortunately passed the week before. Jason Day gets his first win since his last win in 2018 at the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, He shot a final round 62 to win it. It's his 13th career PGA Tour victory, Um, but it has been over 100 starts since his last win. First of all, Man, it's cool seeing Jason Day winning again because that is something obviously we haven't seen in a while. And after all the injuries, the the swing changes he went through, the caddy changes when he was in that bout of vertigo in 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. um, this was a guy that was debating quitting professional golf uh, after his vertigo diagnosis, but stuck with it. And here he is back to winning in his 13th in his PGA Tour uh career rick when you see a jason day get a win a guy whose name everybody knows because he was world number one in 2017 everybody knows this guy 
Mm-hmm. And now it's 2023, six years later, and he's back to getting a W. When you see his name at the top of a leaderboard, what's your first reaction there? Uh, shocked, if we're being completely honest, because, again, we haven't seen him in that position in a while. He had some good and some bad competition uh, in order to be at the spot that he was at, but it was a close tournament, which we always like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Siwoo Kim right behind him. He's always always there. Um, he's just golfs all the time, so he's always a name Constantly that we, we bring up. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was also in the top five, so he had he had some some names uh, behind him. There wasn't quite as many names as you'd like to see, um, at least in in the in the top of the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. But it's good for him as far as his confidence is concerned, because like you said, we haven't seen him in this kind of position in a while. And we're about to get into this, this track of majors and FedEx cup, important FedEx cup events coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he can kind of ride this into the next few events and throughout the summer, that's huge for him. And if we see him play like this and like vintage Jason, Jason day, I don't see any reason he's not in the top 10 of the FedEx cup come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, right now he resides in fifth, which is smack dab in the middle of that top 10, which is a good place to be at this point in the season going into the second major. Um, but also, it's it's cool to kind of take a step back and look at what he's had to overcome, uh, specifically in the last six years. After being world number one, you kind of look at on data golf here, and uh, they have over like a span of years, they have kind of a uh, a line graph of where they are in the standings and the official yeah. world golf rankings and FedEx cup. And you just see a massive decline going into 2018, 2019 uh, after injury has vertigo after having a little uptick in efficiency all the way shooting down to in 2022, his lowest ever um, place in the official world golf rankings at 80 uh, at uh, 94 um, and that was just in 2022. That was literally less than a year ago. Um, yeah. And just to shoot up into where he is now, 20th in official world golf rank, fifth in FedEx Cup. And personally, I think Data Golf has a has a more uh, efficient way of ranking golfers. He's ninth in Data Golf. Um, I think datagolf.com uh, has more of a recent uh, opinion on how golfers are performing instead of the way the official world golf rank does it, where it's yeah. the last 10 performances or whatever. The reason yeah. that Dustin Johnson was one number one for like a couple of months for no reason yeah. at all. Um, but he goes from that to all of a sudden reemerging almost as a more mature and more efficient golfer in the way that he handled himself on Sunday, a 62, right? Huge on a Sunday, nine yeah. under. Um, and the way that he conducts himself while he's out there just feels like he's more in control and, you know, a little bit, less of like a a kid by any means. Like when he was number one in the world, he was 29. He's yeah. now almost 36 years old, you know? And when you have those kind of lows through very formative years as a professional athlete, I mean, just mm-hmm. because it's golf and you can play that forever, the late 20s into early to mid 30s is an incredibly pivotal time in your career. That's usually when you make your most bread, if that's, if, if that's you know, where you're at in your skill level there. But it's it's cool to see that kind of transition physically on this line graph. And and also, according to uh, Josh Sens, who's a writer at golf.com, 
Uh, he said, quote, this was not so much a bolt uh, out of the blue, but it was more of a simmer that reached a boil. He'd been heating up, getting healthy, dialing in his swing. Day was always an epic talent, so not a complete shock. And I, I read that and I went, I don't know. Have I seen Jason Day's name recently? Let me hit you with some of the, the physical stats here. Uh, we're going to we're going to go back to October 9th of last year. We're going to we're going to read off some of his starts since then. T8, T11, T21, T16, cut. T18, T7, solo fifth, T9, T10, T19, T5, T39, cut, win, Byron Nelson. Uh, There's over 10 top 25s that I just read off in his last, uh, it looks like about 15 to 16 starts. Going yeah, back into 2022. It shows it shows consistency for sure. And it's definitely not a surprise when you think about it. Like the when you when you said that he was 94 in the official world golf rankings, I know we're not a huge fan of how the official world golf rankings work, but the fact that he's 20 now in the world golf rankings, mm-hmm. even using their scale, is such a strong measure of his consistency recently. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think, who was the guy that you were saying um, said about the simmer to a boil? Uh, Josh Sens, uh, senior writer at golf.com. Josh Sens. So what he said about simmer to a boil, it's true. Like it's not really that shocking then because he had to jump up. Was that 74 spots Yeah, over the past year? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's consistency. And it's, it's kind of like what we saw with Tony Finau when he was getting that, those strings of seconds and top tens and top fives, like he was simmering, he was getting hot. And then eventually it just happened. Um, And that's kind of what we're seeing here. And it's weird to think of Jason day as 36, because even when he was like in his prime, you you think of him like as like 24, 25, not 29. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is kind of weird to think of him as 36 and kind of more on the back half of his career. But like we said, we're getting into major season right now. We're getting into some big tournaments that are going to have a lot of weight going towards the FedEx cup. And if this is the time that he gets hot and he can make one last push toward as, as like I said, towards the end of his career here, like go for it. I mean, I'm definitely not going to complain because he's a good guy and he's one of those names that like you feel bad when he's not doing as well as he thinks or you think he should be. Right. Right. Um, And it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how he continues moving forward because he's uh, he has one major win in his career back in 2015. And that was the PGA championship where he will be playing this coming weekend. So interesting to follow that story as well as the fact at, at this point in his career, it's when you can consistently golf this well on tour, you usually start collecting some wins. You used a great uh, analogy to Tony Finau there. Eventually the wins will start coming when you're this consistent. Mm -hmm. And if he just sticks with it and continues the uh, process that he seems to be using and it's working, I can see a handful more wins in the next couple of years, Uh, maybe at events with a little bit less top flight guys, Um, but you know, wins nonetheless, a check, a large check from the PJ tour, to continue your career. And I think that there's something to be said about that. Um, Now, now one last thing uh, on Jason day here. And, you know, I think, I think it's the answer is pretty clear from, from what you said, but do you think this is something that he could build on? Do you see the, 
that instead of being a one-off win where it's like, ooh, Jason Day finally did it again, that's cool. We'll probably not hear from him again. Do you think the 36-year-old now is going to be able to build off this and continue moving in the direction that he's seemingly been moving in since October of last year? I think it's possible. Do I expect it? No. Because, again, didn't see as many big names as you would like to see him take down in this tournament. Mm. Uh, Especially, like you said, with the live guys coming next week to the PGA and even all the bigger name guys that didn't play this week coming back. Like, it's going to be a tougher field. Confidence can take you really far, though. And we've seen that throughout every sport especially golf, right? i.e. Scotty Scheffler, when he got his first win last year and strung a, strung four in six weeks. Um, confidence in yourself and your game can take you really far. And if he doesn't think of it himself as a one-off, then I think that it can go really well for him in the next few weeks. Yeah, and, and you bring up a fantastic point where a lot of golf is obviously um... – about the mental it's about kid does he believe that this is a building block or does he think like oh i finally got back there that's all i wanted to do i'm good now you know that you got to build you got to keep moving forward and i think that that's something that uh, will be interesting to keep track of here especially going into a major that he's won in the past before um all righty at this point that's about all we have for the byron nelson and because i was catching some some flack about beginning the episode with ad reads that's right folks you're gonna get it in the middle now, congratulations, you have forced my hand on this one. Now that you're stuck. <laughs> now that you're here, uh, go ahead and check out shankitgolf.com for all of the stuff that you're going to want for your local rounds with your buddies. They got plenty of cool stuff. They got hats, polos, golf gloves. They got golf uh, They got golf towels, ball markers. They got a bunch of cool stuff there, shankitgolf.com. And at checkout, use code uh, FTT15 at checkout to save 15% on your order. Not only does it help you save money, but it also throws some money our way so that we can continue to bring you and hopefully even further the content that we can bring you moving forward. So go ahead and check it out, shankagolf.com. Also, uh, this is a new one. This one comes from our friend John Murray at Hack Across America. Uh, go ahead and check out TPI, that is Titleist Performance Institute. John Murray is now a officially a Titus, uh, Titleist Performance Institute uh, trainer. Now, what this is, is he going to absolutely fix your golf swing and he's a tour professional? No, but what he can do is he can use the tools that he sees from your game and improve your swing. Uh, since I have an ad read here, I will read it verbatim for you. Uh, since its inception in 2003, TPI has studied thousands of golfers ranging from the top professional tour players to weekend enthusiasts. An incredible amount of data on players of all shapes, sizes, ages, and fitness levels have been gathered during this time. Using this data, TPI discovered how a properly functioning body allows a player to swing a golf club in the most efficient way possible. Additionally, TPI has analyzed how physical limitations in a player's body can adversely affect the golf swing and potentially lead to injury. Now, we don't want to injure uh, injure ourselves while we are hacking away um, on the weekend. So John is uh, actually trained fully to be able to help you not do that. He's going to be able to walk you through the TPI program, show you some stretches, show, show you some workouts to help improve your game. I will be going to him, so I totally suggest that you guys do too. Go ahead and check him out on Instagram at jmurraytpi. That is J as in John Murray TPI. Um, yeah, what John's doing is pretty cool. Um, I, I, uh, 
I don't know exactly if it's going to help my golf swing, but I'm never going to say no to some good stretches and workouts, to be frank. Yeah, if if I had the motivation to stretch, uh, that might help. I feel, I I feel like I feel like it's just going to make me a better athlete in general because I've never stretched like pretty much ever. Yeah, stretching is supposed to be really good for you. I just don't feel like doing it. <laughs> like, it's just it's not something that I like when I go to the gym and I'm like at the end of my workout, I'm like, I know I should stretch, but I just don't have the energy to stretch. Yeah, like I want to go home. So yeah. like what I've been doing is just sitting cross-legged because that's enough of a stretch for me. So like when I'm like watching TV or something, I'll just like sit cross-legged for a little bit. Which is a huge, a huge improvement, by the way, people. I don't think you understand fully that Rick for years could not sit crisscross applesauce. For everything in the hip, in the hip region just isn't, isn't there. No. Um, so I feel like, I feel like John could definitely help me out. Uh, as far as my flexibility is concerned, again, not really sure <laughs> how much it's going to help the golf game because it's, I just, I'm not accurate at all. Right. I mean, but maybe being looser will make me more accurate. I don't know. And here's the beautiful thing about it. For those of you that know John personally, which I know a couple of you do, and of course Rick and I do, you're sitting here wondering, am I really going to entrust the future of my golf swing in John Murray's hands? And to that, I will tell you, uh, thankfully he has an app guiding him in his decisions. He is not just coming up with these stretches out of the blue because he has a certification. There is a, there is a full uh, uh, app that he will track you with and certain exercises certified by the uh, by Titleist and the people there that he just helps you with. It's not uh, him just coming up with stretches. Yeah. Uh, to Also, to if it makes you feel you. any better, he is an actual doctor, not for yes. stretching, but he yeah. is an actual doctor. Well, so. he, he, maybe, physical therapist. Kind of, he, he yeah. kind of is just a doctor. He does, he does a little bit, I guess, but he's really so, just a doctor. So that makes you feel better. There you go. Yeah, really a doctor. He has a doctorate degree. He will tell you and he will introduce himself as Dr. John, you can feel free to call him that or you can you can not, which I usually prefer to do. But uh, yeah, definitely go check him out at jmurraytpi on Instagram. All righty, moving forward, we got the PGA Championship coming up. Obviously, the second major of the four this season. Uh, we got we had a lot of, uh, you know, not necessarily feedback, but we got to see a lot out of the Masters, specifically when it comes to all of the best golfers in the world coming back together, the live golfers included with the PGA tour golfers. We saw that at the masters, we saw what can be, and now we're going to see it again. So uh, we're going to go over a couple storylines here. The first one, just because to me, this would be the most incredible thing because he's so back, right? Jordan Spieth grand slam. He has the U S open. He has the open. He has the green jacket. He's won a masters. The only one he is missing is the PGA Championship. Rick, what do you think his chances are at getting the career Grand Slam? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a chance, obviously. Um, The PGA Championship is is a fairly difficult uh, tournament, but if we're being completely honest, it's probably the least difficult of the majors. And my reasoning behind that is the Masters has the allure of the Masters. So there's a lot of just mental and pressure there. Um, 
the U.S. Open is usually something to do with like really high rough or just like difficult like course conditions in general, rain stuff like that. And uh, the actual Open over in uh, Europe is again there's prestige with that because of how old it is. So there's more pressure there. The PGA Championship, although this is the 105th, like it's definitely an old one. Um, it's probably the least, um, the least pressure. I would say. I would think anyway. Obviously, it's a major, so there's there's gonna be pressure there. But like, if you were to have the guys list which one they feel the most pressure at, this might this would probably be the last for most of them. I would think. Yeah, and I, I think I think obviously you know. Jordan Spieth's going to have feel the feeling of the most pressure, given that this is the only one he's missing to get uh-huh. that career grand slam. Uh, but I agree with you. I feel like when you kind of take the larger scope of majors, this is usually the lesser of the four that people think about. Um, and then obviously the, the, the fifth major being the waste management Phoenix open is above this one in my mind, at least uh, uh-huh. without a doubt. But uh, for reference, his actual odds, according to Vegas here, um, Jordan Spieth has a plus 3,200 odds to win this tournament. And for reference, the best odds are plus 750 tied between John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. I feel like we're not reaching too far here, Vegas. You had zero creativity with your odds in this one. Um, but, you know, we're, we don't work for the sports book, so they're not going to listen to us. But it, wouldn't it be cool? For Jordan Spieth, at almost 30 years old, he's 29 and 10 months right now, uh, who has had a full-blown career resurgence from his lowest low of being ranked 115th in the world in the beginning of 2021, to his full-blown comeback tour back on the Ryder Cup team, absolutely electric golf he's playing, to being 20th in FedEx Cup points, 10 in the official world golf rankings, 13th in data golf rankings, would it not be just such a cool story to go from the depths to the highest of highs and get the career grand slam? Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome. I mean, two years ago, if you had said, do you think Jordan Spieth is going to get the career grand slam? I would have told you no, because that's just how he was playing at the time. But Mm -hmm. over the last two years, he's got some wins. He's been playing with confidence. He's been doing just well consistently. Uh, And at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if he won. Uh, I wouldn't put the expectation on him to win, but I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the only thing kind of against him right now is he's kind of been pretty up and down so far this season. So if we kind of take a look at the the season as a whole here, we when we extend the scope, he has a lot of good performances, um, at least of recent, but he started off the year pretty slow. He's been cut uh, three times so far this year. Um, but he does have a lot of green here, which uh, means a top 25 or better. And he's coming off a stretch of three, the three last championship uh, championships. He played uh, at the masters T four, the RBC heritage two solo. And then an unfortunate cut at the Wells Fargo did not play the Byron Nelson. So he's coming into this fresh, his last two of three has been top five and has one cut, unfortunately, but he's coming into this pretty hot. The only thing that kind of escaped him at the Wells Fargo Center was really his approach game. Could not get a green regulation to save his life. Um, And that's, you know, that's just going to get you cut at a PGA Tour event. Yeah. 10 times out of 10. Um, So I think the odds are looking better than they usually would be for him to put down a PGA Championship. But this is going to be a conversation that we have every single year. 
going into the PGA is, oh, well, every single year that he doesn't win one. Is this yeah. the year that Jordan Spieth gets the career grand slam? Yada, yada, yada. I mean, if you really think about it, he has been chasing this since 2017. He's been chasing this for six years now. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people end their careers with three major wins and never get the career grand slam. So, but yeah. what is working in his favor is he is only 30 years old um, and not even a full 30. He's actually 29 right now. So he yeah. has time to get it done. If this being the year it happens before he's even 30, I wonder what the youngest career grand slam. It, I was a tiger. I'm sure. Uh, youngest career grand slam. Uh, yeah, Tiger Woods uh, remains the youngest ever to get the career Grand Slam. Uh, that was probably when he did the Tiger Slam. Mm-hmm. I would I would have to assume, right? So, be, being 30 years old, though, and winning a career Grand Slam with the career tra- trajectory that he's had, insanity. So, yeah. definitely pulling for Jordan Speed because that would be super cool. And I would love that. Uh, to keep moving forward here, we got to talk, talk about Rory. Um Obviously, another guy who's who's uh, hunting the career, uh, the career Grand Slam. I I I don't think he needs the PGA. I think he's won that already. No. Um, yeah, he needs the Masters, doesn't he? I believe so. I'm just gonna double check real quick. Um, uh, PGA, the Open, PGA. Yeah, he's actually won Rory, the P- he's won the PGA tw- uh, Championship twice. Actually, speaking of Rory, um, I'm on the PGA Tour app right now. Uh, and one of the one of the storylines for this week is Rory and Rochester for a little little uh, alliteration there for you. Uh, quote from Rory, I'm excited to go and play a major championship in what feels almost like a second home to me. Rory is an honorary member of Oak Hill and his wife, Erica, is from Rochester. Oh, well, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he's won the PGA championship twice, too. So just the, the title yeah. seems to not affect him at all. Now, coming off of a incredibly disappointing masters performance uh where he he missed the cut yeah. looked absolutely brutal out of sorts uh wound up then subsequently missing a designated event and getting fined for personal reasons that uh he hasn't spoken about and nobody has seemed to be able to get that information as to why he did it but right now it looks like Roy McIlroy is completely out of sorts do you think that this could be a comeback situation for him where he kind of gets back on the saddle and and looks a bit better i mean he's He's having a real tough stretch of golf right now. Other than a T2 and a 3 in the Arnold Palmer and the uh, Dell Technologies match play, two cuts and a T47. Yeah, he hasn't been playing great. Um, Again, he missed two of the designated events, which is kind of strange. So like we talked about before, there might be something going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. Um, If whatever that is, is figured out and he's kind of in a better spot mentally and physically right now, then good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I can see him playing well again this week, but if the same thing that has kept him from these last design- two designated events is still bothering him or whatever, um, I don't think it's going to end well for him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So for his sake, I hope that everything is kind of back to normal and whatever, again, whatever kept him away from the, the last two designated events is kind of in the past enough that he can focus on this major championship and try to go for his fifth win. Yeah. I mean, five majors is definitely something awesome. Uh, he's going to want to obviously the career grand slam, but you know, winning, winning five majors is, is a, a feat on its own. Uh, it's just, it's hard to look at the golf that he's playing right now and think that this is major winning golf. 
Um, but you, you look at what happened between uh, the middle of August of last year to uh, the end of January this year, when he won three golf tournaments and never played outside of the top 10. Yeah. You know, like he did that for months. Uh, obviously, there being a break in there for, for the seasons, but it's three wins in the span of eight starts. Yeah. He has that in the bank and he's done it recently. It's just maybe there is something going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about. It's totally possible. Let's all remember that athletes are still human beings. Yep. Um, so they can have their own personal issues and we don't know about them and we don't have to know about them. But if he does have this solved, there is no reason that Roy McIlroy can't compete and or win the PGA Championship. Uh, right now, I do not believe his odds are incredible. Uh, actually, plus 1,300. He has better odds than Jordan Spieth. So maybe a lot of people better are looking at a comeback here. Yeah, way better than I would have thought, uh, considering the the best odds are plus 750. That's that's right right there. So Who's that, Scotty? Scotty and, and John Rom really got creative there. Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, really, really going for a sleeper pick there. Yeah, you know, just uh, <laughs> grabbing from the bottom, being like, "You want to know what? We're going to be bold now, just, yeah. uh, just picking the the easy picks." We get it, Vegas. We get it. You want to make your money? I understand. Um, yeah, so there's no reason that he can't compete, but definitely going to be interesting to watch what he does coming off of an incredibly disappointing Masters performance. Yeah. Uh, to keep moving forward here, this is something that we talked about at nauseum. Um, for the the masters and will come up for every single major from here until i don't know the end of time the live guys are coming back and playing the pga championship remember folks the pga uh of america and the pga tour are two completely separate entities uh so the pga championship actually has nothing to do with the pga tour as far as Mm -hmm. them uh gaining any sort of uh leverage to ban the live players by any means so live players are coming back pj championship and what did we see last time well we saw a pretty impressive showing from from all of them uh what was it uh yeah three players in the top six um yeah it was you know phil mickelson rory mcelroy and uh who was who was the third was it patrick reed was the third guy that was no not rory mcelroy he's, he's oh no sorry no sorry um brooks kepka and uh and I think and Patrick Reed, yeah, he was yeah. the last one. So three pretty big live golfers in the top six of the Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh the live competitors pretty much showed us that they still got it, basically. Yeah. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing them in the PGA championship. Now, who of those guys do you think is going to be the best storyline? So obviously you have the storyline of Brooks Kepka almost winning the Masters kind of falling apart on Sunday. You have Phil Mickelson having one hell of a round on Sunday at the Masters and finding himself in second place. You have Patrick Reed, who I don't I don't know if anybody was watching close enough. He probably cheated to, to wind up in the top six. Let's let's be <laughs> frank. But they, they, like you have some serious names in the live tour here making a bid at the Masters could easily make a bid at the PGA championship. Yeah, I mean I think we have to look at Phil Mickelson as a fluke. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played anything good since he won the PGA Championship. Was yep. it two years ago? Uh, um, yeah. So I think he's a fluke. Patrick Reed, I don't want to give him the time of day. I do actually want to give the time of day, and I have a trivia question for you. Ooh. Um, 2019, do you know where the PGA Championship was held in 2019? Uh, no, I do not. Um, in 2019, was that? I'll give you a hint. 
I'll give you a hint. It's a course that our friends over at Hack Across America actually played. And Beth Page. Beth Page Black. Beth Page Black. Yep. Yeah. So Beth Page Black in New York was where the 2019 championship was held. And after the first round, do you know who was in the lead? Was it Bruce Kepka? It was Bruce Kepka. He fired uh-huh. off a course record and a tournament record of 63 in the first round. <laughs> now, Damn. Beth Page Black is located in New York. Rochester is located in New York. Can confirm. There's a chance that he shows up. I mean, like you said, he almost won the Masters. He fell apart on Sunday. But he played well last time there was a PGA Championship in New York. Maybe he does it again. Who knows? Uh, I'm I'm kind of with you here. I to me it doesn't really stretch back that far, but more the Masters performance. That's in, definitely going to be in the back of his mind. And if if Brooks Kepka is playing pissed off, he's probably playing the best that he's played in yeah months. Um, when he's pissed or he's determined to be better than you, he's one of if not the best golfer on the course on any given day. Mm-hmm. Um. He kind of lost that fire on Sunday at the Masters. He had just had the lead for three days. You can sometimes get a little complacent, and that kind of showed on Sunday at the Masters. So as long as I think as long as he is in the hunt, but not in the lead moving into Sunday. Yeah. I would honestly, I would put a monetary wager on Brooks Kepka winning the whole damn thing because what he showed at the Masters and and the Orlando Live event right before then. Uh-huh. is that he's ready to keep winning again. He's healthy. Yeah. He's back. He's ready to show that he can compete at the highest level of golf. And he's doing it on the biggest stages, which is the majors, which, you know, he obviously did before in his career, winning the back-to-back U.S. Opens, et cetera, et cetera. But I I think there could be a, a, a very good argument as to why Brooks Kepka could totally win the PGA Championship. Yeah. Um, I love I love the, the trivia there. I did not know that about the uh, – the 2019 uh, PGA Championship at Beth. Page. That was that was actually a part of the uh, on this day in sports history from the website I get it from. Oh, so I decided right. instead of sharing it, I knew we'd talk about it, so I figured I'd uh, incorporate it there. You know, look at you, you smart yeah, you know. cookie, huh? Yeah. How about you it? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Phil Mickelson, right? That's got to be a fluke, right? There's gotta there's be. no there's no way, no chance, no how that he he's going to be able to compete like that. The, the, the masters, like he knows the masters, you know, that if yeah. Phil Mickelson, if he knows one thing, it's how to play at Augusta nationals. Cause he's done it for most of his career. Right. So yeah. that's definitely a course where he could accidentally trip into competing. Um, I just, I can't see him doing it. The PGA championship. I can't, I can't see it. And, uh, no, and especially like a course like Oak Hill that just does not play well to his game. I just don't see that. It's, it's a 7,300 yard course and he is what 52 now. I just, yeah. when you got people hitting it as far as Rory and John Rom do, it's just so hard to see him being able to compete. Right. Right. Um, another name that I feel like we've completely forgotten about since he's gone over to live tour and thank God, cause it was exhausted talking about him all the time. Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, we saw him at the masters. Uh, way skinnier, looking like a regular-sized human being, which I guess is is a good thing. Haven't heard a lot from him, so he's he's Thank either God. kind of 
taking a break from being a complete psychopath and uh and annoying everybody or he's just uh so butthurt about how poorly he's playing golf that uh he decided to take a break from social media which is a, a good idea bryson yeah um but he has not been playing well at all on the live tour if uh, i'm gonna pull up the live tour standings actually because it is an absolutely brutal showing from bryson dechambo so far this year uh, i'm looking at the players leaderboard yeah he is uh for for the guy that he was supposed to be and the money the live tour is paying him, he's in seventh place, which is is not not what you want to see. Now the the guys in first and second who are making as much if not more money than Bryson, uh, Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith, they are performing the way they're supposed to be. Okay, they're yeah. one and two. They're they're two of the biggest guys, the biggest names on this tour, and they're performing as such. Um, but man, Bryson DeChambeau is supposed to be this absolute menace over on the live tour. He's supposed to be able to bully every single golf course that he got mm. the chance to, and would outshoot any golf course, no matter how long or how short, because he could just hit it that far and that well. And yeah. uh, it, it pretty much proves in majors that he cannot do that. So I really don't see anything changing at the PGA championship. I would assume you share that sentiment. Yeah, if we can continue to not have to hear from him or about him, I'll be a happy camper. Uh, him and Patrick Reed both. I think that was the best news we could have gotten that they were both going over to live. Yeah, because we, it was it was incredibly refreshing not having to hear from him pretty much ever after uh, he he went over there. Yeah, I mean, think about like even just like the tone of our podcast since they've gone over there. I feel like has gotten like better. Because oh, yeah. we haven't had to complain about them every single week. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's been completely refreshing. It's just you have something else to talk about that isn't horrible People being stupid. all the time. Yeah, it's um, it, look, it's one of those things where he just for a, a little bit of time there, he had, you know, everybody's attention captured. And then he decided to to be his annoying self and. Lo and behold, nobody liked watching it. He couldn't keep up with winning, and he had to go over to Live Tour to make consistent money because he didn't believe in himself enough to make it over here. Um, and he didn't have the excuses like ongoing injuries and being old that a lot of the other guys that went over there do. Um, he was young, healthy, had it all kind of in, in a way, and he was like, nah, I'm going to take guaranteed money because I don't believe in myself. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he does at the PGA Championship. I just don't see it being good. I just don't think yeah. that's going to happen. Uh, but now that we talked about that, he's going to win it. So uh, congratulations, Bryson DeChambeau, on your PGA Championship win. The From the Tips it's, curse is back. It's back, and it's better than ever. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I would off myself for, for next week's so podcast. I would just be so – next week's podcast would open. Hey, guys. Um, it happened. <laughs> that's that's uh, We had some golf this week. So, anyways, coming up, we <laughs> – so next week, huh? how about it? Um, alrighty, but to move into the end of the pod here, unfortunately, we're recording early enough where our, our homie Rob here hasn't hit us with a power ranking, or at least one that I can see. I know. Like, unless you can find it. Rob, Sometimes you can find it, and I Rob, can't. Get it together, my guy. Yeah, it's... Uh... First look, PGA Championship. That's all I got. Yeah, I only have the first look. So Rob has yet to deliver on what we need but you know who has 
the uh, Golf Channel, golfchannel.com, and our boy Josh Culp of golfchannel.com. Thanks for filling uh, in, Josh. Yeah, thanks for getting it done at 10.45 this morning when uh, these things should be done, not uh, 6 p.m. plus, Rob, okay? <laughs> Um, all right, so he has listed uh, the ranking of the field, his power rankings, um, and uh, I will list them off, not in any specific order, and you will list them in a specific order. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. All righty. Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, John Rom. That's a stacked, That's stacked, stacked group of guys. Yeah, and then the, the, the next 10 are just as stacked. I'll, I'll at, at the end here, but yeah. I love it's Major 20. Week. Oh, um, so good. All right, I guess I got to go. Who was the first one you said again? Uh, Roy McElroy. Roy McElroy, okay. Uh, so I'm going to go Tony Finau at five. I'm going to go Scotty Scheffler at four. I'm going to go... Whoever wasn't Rom or McElroy can't lay at three. Yeah. And then I'm going to go Rom to Rory one. Wow. I, no, but uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was just not even close. But I, I, love, like, I, I love the Rory one. That's that. That's fun. I love that. I love the pull there for Rory McElroy. That's that's fun. Was I just not even close? I mean, you didn't you, you didn't get one right, but I'm I'm like one for how many podcasts have we done? <laughs> yeah, one you gotta like you gotta write that one time. That was completely <laughs> electric. Uh, yeah, we're going into episode I think, uh, one ten maybe we might be all the way up there. So, um, probably more. Now I think about it, but um, yeah. So uh, that was not the order. Uh, the order is actually number five, Patrick Cantlay. Number four, Tony Finau. Number three. Roy McElroy, number two, Scotty Scheffler, and number one, John Rom. Yeah, our 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 buddy uh, Josh here from Golf Channel, uh, really thinking out of the box. Just can we can we like remember what my five was that I said, mm-hmm. and see if that's what Rob says? Because I feel like I'm on Rob Rob Bolton brain. When you it might comes be on Bolton fives. So I feel like when when Rob comes out with his, I might be spot on. It's it's definitely possible. I keep refreshing and it's not there. And, okay, what did and, I say again? I said So you had yeah, at, at five you had um well let me look at the names. I gotta look at the names. Okay, uh, so I had Rory at one, I had Rom at two. Right. I and can't lay at three. And then I believe Scotty at four. Scotty Tony, yeah. Scotty Tony, okay. Yeah, you uh, you might be on that Rob time. You might be on the. On I that might course. be on Rob time. <laughs> and, and look, I got to be honest with you. We got a competent journalist, and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a journalist that reads the room and understands the golf that's happening, and Rick was not prepared at all. Uh, yeah, the next five in this in this power rankings is just as. Ridiculous. Number six, Andrew Shoffley. Number seven, Justin Thomas. Number eight, Tyrrell Hatton. Number nine, Max Homa. Number 10, Jason Day. And the names just the the lowest name on this list of like well-known golfer is number 20. And it's still Taylor Gooch, who we talked about uh, the two weeks ago, who just made nonstop money in a span of three weeks. So 
the the beauty of ma- of a major week is this. So this is just yeah. going to be good golf to watch all the way around, uh, no matter what power rankings you might have. You don't have to agree with Rob or or Josh. You, you, you just be your own person, as as Rick would say. Um, True. But uh, Rick, unless you have any other golf news, that's going to do it for this old episode. That's all I got. All righty, folks. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we uh, we changed up the ad read situation, so I hope you guys like it and you guys uh, aren't as, uh, you know, uh, angry about the episode starting with ad reads. We uh, we changed that for you. Uh, but the fact that you guys keep listening week in and week out is awesome. We completely appreciate the support. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at from the tips underscore pod and then follow us on Twitter at FTT underscore pod. There might be some tweets being fired off this weekend. Um, stay tuned to those socials for stuff that we have coming up. We have a cool golf trip happening uh, towards the end of the summer. We'll keep you posted about that and uh, all that kind of content. So as always, thank you so much for listening and we out. Thanks guys. See you later.